You know, but what a, what a what an illustration of that that you know dirty things come out of people, and that's the way sinners are. But the point of a diaper is to capture that and to throw it away, you know, and mm-hmm. and to move on. And but we save when we save people's diapers, we're like, oh, but that dirty thing that they did, you know, I I won't forget that. <laughs> and yeah, uh, th- this just got a little weird. <laughs> Welcome once again to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas, here again with my good friend Daniel. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm uh, doing well. Doing well. I'm excited that uh, tom- uh, tomorrow I've got slated to, for the first time ever, uh, change out a radiator. In your, yeah. your car? Yeah, in our Suburban. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's exciting. So, yeah, yeah, I watched enough YouTube videos, I guess, and I looked over it enough. I've kind of, you know, half, yeah, I've looked at ours quite a bit. And uh, anyway, so, yeah, I'm excited about that. It'll yeah. be fun. That's a fun project. <laughs> Thankfully, it's in the front of the car. <laughs> yeah, not buried deep in the bowels yeah. of the... <laughs> no, no, I think uh, one of the hardest times I, I heard you laugh for some reason was when I explained to you the time I had to change the coil out. <laughs> on a uh, a Ford Wit Star <laughs> in like the in the parking lot while a storm was coming, yeah. And you're like spread eagle over this engine, yeah. yeah. I was like Spider Man, <laughs> Spider Man, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, you laugh so hard. Oh. Yeah. So thankfully the radiator's in the front. I think you'll do okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got my boys to help me out. So, uh, how are you doing this fine morning? Good, good. A little little sore from training yesterday, which uh, yeah. Um, been doing okay the last several weeks. Not much soreness, but yesterday just took it out of me. I guess. Yeah. But, do they uh, take it? Do they uh, take it harder? Do guys feel more liberty to go at you harder since you're a black belt now? Uh, truth be told, yes. Um, <laughs> they they tell you that there are some frustrations once you start wearing the black belt um, to to classes and to train is uh, is that people now kind of watch you more and there's a higher expectation of you. And they mm-hmm. do feel that they can go a little harder on you. <laughs> so, uh, in fact, there's almost a, a degree to which they try to. If they're not a black belt, they try to go a little harder because they want to be like, yeah, I, you know, look what I did to the black belt. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a run for his money. Um, yeah. But uh, it, uh, I, don't, I don't feel like one, to be honest. And, uh, uh, you know, people are asking me, you know, at the school, you know, so do you feel, you feel like a black belt? I'm like, not really. Yeah, do you feel different? No, not really. <laughs> but uh, it was a neat experience. The uh, the ceremony. They of course they show that video that I had to make, um, mm-hmm. and then they have everyone in the room stand up and say nice things about you. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever whatever's on their heart or mind to say. While you kind of stand in the middle, it was incredibly <laughs> awkward. But um, but they they had nice things to say and it was it was very kind of them very very nice of them and then uh, I I had to give a speech um at the end of it so good yeah and your of course your family got to be there and see all that yeah yeah they did my my family came up from Jersey to uh to visit for a day and a half basically because <clears throat> I had told them about the ceremony they said oh we want to come up for it I'm like you want to come up for that? It just, I don't know. It didn't seem like something they'd want to make the, uh, the three hour trip for, but, um, but it had been a while since they'd come up and visit anyway. So they, oh, they good, came. good. 
As as we jump in, I want to thank our patrons, especially those elite patrons over at uh, patreon.com slash reason together who have come on board to financially support this podcast. Uh, all the patrons, there's various levels there, all the way from student to elite. The, the elite get uh, special privileges such as the after show bonus and a free podcast t-shirt. Mm-hmm. But I want to thank all of them for their uh, investment that means something to us, and we appreciate you uh, investing not just by listening and sharing, um, even leaving a review, but thank you for supporting us. Yes, we appreciate that very much. Um, if you would like to become one of those, you can go over to patreon.com slash reason together and sign up for any tier that you like, and we'd be grateful. Uh, also, in, in other uh, administrative details, uh, if you haven't heard yet, we are now on Amazon Podcasts. Um, which we've included a link to in the show notes. If you've signed up for those, uh, we've got a link right to that. And depending on how you listen to these episodes, uh, you might uh, be able to try a different different venue, I guess, uh, if that's the right word. If you've got one of those uh, Echo Dots or one of those smart listening devices like that connected to Amazon, you can now listen to this podcast very easily uh, through one of those. Um, And I think that is... That is it for administrative details today. Um, we do have some feedback um, real quick from Justin, one of our elite patrons. Mm-hmm. And this was related to a couple different things from previous episodes. One was the question that your son had, Daniel, um, yeah. about mm-hmm. uh, the omnipresence of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I, when it uses the word came <laughs> referring right. to if you're if you're everywhere how can you come right it right. sounds like a right. change in location yes so so and i feel like i didn't really have a great answer for that uh mm-hmm. that question that was a was an interesting question um but justin helps us out here he says uh related to the podcast daniel son's question about the omnipresent god coming upon a person is interesting The example that popped into my mind during your discussion was the Tower of Babel. Wish I'd have thought of that. (laughs) Um, Genesis 11, 5, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And then verse 6, and the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they've imagined to do. Verse 7, go to, let us go down. And there confounded their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Um, Justin goes on here, let us go down, but he is already there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I typically try to think about it in terms of reference frames. In God's reference frame, he's everywhere, all the time. In our reference frame, God may be visibly absent, but then appear or make his presence known. So from a human vantage point, it may appear that God is somewhere when in fact he is everywhere. However, this Tower of Babel reference has God referring to himself, which adds a level of complexity to the question. (laughs) You're right. He he basically is having a conversation (laughs) within the Godhead there, Mm -hmm. uh, similar to back in Genesis. Genesis 1. uh, Yeah, let us make man in our own image. Mm -hmm. Um, Justin goes on. To a different topic now that we talked about, and this might have been an after-show subject, um, but we can we can oh, okay. bring in uh, we can bring in our sure. regular listeners on this one as well. Your discussion about whether you say "I love the Lord" was also very interesting. Um, Justin was referring to a question in the after-show 
that I'd asked, is it, is it, is there something wrong with a Christian who doesn't say, I love the Lord very much, but they're still a very dutiful and faithful, um, uh, diligent, uh, Christian, you know, is, is, does love have to be expressed verbally like that? And if not, is there something wrong with them? So Justin says, I'm not particularly emotional, but have actually recently been praying that God would give me a deeper love for him and his son. While this love should manifest itself in obedience, John 14, 15, um, that's where Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, While this love should manifest itself in obedience as a commander in chief, which is how my mind naturally ticks, uh, mine too, Justin, (laughs) um, it also appears in scripture that our love for God should manifest itself as how a son loves his father, Galatians 4, 6. Hmm. I think of this latter love as more than just duty-bound, but evoking some type of emotion. For example, crying in the verse would be an emotional call. Um, Now, personally, this is what I'm asking the Lord's help with. In human life, the father-son relationship takes many forms. So perhaps this is also true for our relationship to our Heavenly Father. All I know is that it is far less complete than his love for us. <clears throat> and uh, one thing Justin tags on the end here, I like the sound bites. When you first hear it, nostalgia kicks in and you remember the old. But after hearing it again, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Thank you, Justin. Good. Well, you know, his, his thought on that uh, you know, father-son relationship dynamic, it is different from, some, yeah. from different fathers to different sons. Yes. Um, what I do think is, you know, some are more emotional than others, but God would be perfectly balanced in that uh, I think emotions are good, but they're always in perfect balance and never taking over. Right. You know, so an overly emotional uh, perspective can be, if you want to say, just as imbalanced as a non-emotional perspective, you know? Yeah. Well, even in the same family, you'll have differences in how some children relate to their father, where some will have a very affectionate love. Um, You know, there might be more hugs from a child like that. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And then the other might have a more dutiful, respect-driven love for his father that will be almost more... um, I don't know how else to say it. More, more regimented, um, more, mm. I don't know. Well, emotionless. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, it, uh, yeah, it could vary. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. If you'd like to hear the fuller discussion on that, you can uh, go over to patreon.com slash reason together, sign up to be an elite member and download the after show episode in which we talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I want to bring up a uh, feedback that we had from some time back um, from a listener uh, with whom we are not uh, familiar. Yeah. By the way, thank you, Justin, is. for that, that feedback. Yes, yes, thank you. Forget. And <laughs> if you're interested in giving any feedback on whatever we talk about in this episode or any other episode that you listen to, you can go to Reason Together podcast at gmail.com. That's reason together podcast at gmail.com or go directly to our website, reason together.fm and leave some feedback there. Um, this one simply asks, is there an old Testament name for Jesus? Is there an old Testament name for Jesus? And so yeah. not knowing exactly where the question's headed, I mean, yeah. I guess I'd first want to clarify sure. That uh, Jesus, you know, the, the Orthodox belief and the biblical belief that Jesus is indeed God, 
then you would have to ascribe essentially any name to God to Jesus. So sure. while God is referenced in a number of names in the Old Testament, we could say, well, they're all names of Jesus. So I'm not for sure exactly where the um, the question right. is. It, it's hard. It's hard to answer the question almost without being dismissive of it, because in in our understanding, um, it it's just a given to us. It's it's mm-hmm. not only overtly stated, but implied in many ways that Jehovah of the Old Testament and Jesus of the New Testament are one and the same. Yes. So any name for one is also a name for the other. <laughs> Um, because of their their the, the triunity of God, um, so so I guess it's hard to know how to answer the question if we don't know where it's going exactly. Um, one one uh, passage I would point out though that may be interesting is uh, Exodus three fourteen and fifteen, where Moses is being told to go back to the people of Israel. Well, who do I say sent me? And and God there. Um, points up the significance of a specific name. And let me pull up that uh, exact passage here. But that's where, you know, he says, I am. That's how we, you know, translate it in, in the English. Oops, mm-hmm. um, Exodus three fourteen. Uh, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And the next verse says, and God said moreover unto Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever and this is my memorial unto all generations. So something about that name basically saying, this is my name. This is how I want to be remembered. This is to last, you know, to be noted by all generations. And that's the name, if you look in the original, it's Yihya, depending on how you, uh, what person it is, essentially saying I am or he is, you know, third person, um, third person singular or first person singular. Um, it's either Ehya or Yihya. Um, we often use the one Yahweh and can't necessarily know how Moses would have verbalized that. But, you know, that's significant when you say, well, God wants to be remembered by this name. Um, you know, this is how he wanted to be known to the people of Israel. This is his memorial to all generations. Well, what does that say about him? Because a name uh, is indicative of what a person is, um, you know. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, there's that's passages worthy of some of some thought there. And again, that that is, if you want to say it uh, in a New Testament context, the name of Jesus, you know, I sure. am. And Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. And of course, in the, in the Greek, that's a me, you know, a common being verb, just as uh, eh and yeh are variations, I believe, of a yeah. being verb in Hebrew. But uh, are you, so, uh, are you, go f- ahead. Do, do you know the um, kind of the, etymology of the the name Christ. You familiar with that? The Christos uh, being like uh, anointed one? Yeah, Um, but as far as the actual etymology of it, isn't it somewhat related to the Old Testament word Messiah? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a essentially a Greek version of the right of the concept, the Hebrew concept. Yeah. Right, right. Which, you know, maybe, uh, a more simplistic connection of the two. Um, Messiah is referred to in the book of Daniel, um, Daniel chapters nine, chapter mm. nine, uh, verse 25 and 26, referring to Messiah being cut off. And Jesus is, of course, repeatedly called the Christ in the New Testament, affirming that he is Messiah. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if that's maybe what the, the questioner is looking for, is some, some connection. Con- connection mm-hmm. of the Messiah? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, so the, if, the question's if, pretty short. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. And so if that uh, listener is you know, listening to this particular episode and hears this question, maybe you could give us some more uh, details of what you're looking for, and we could try to you know, dive in a little bit different way. But there yeah. you go. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, thank you, Mr. J. That was from, from Mr. J. Yeah. Um, now you've got, you've got one here that, um, uh, you were saying before, before we started recording that, um, uh, is from a, from an author that I referenced a while back and, and I, and I'm again, is it Bob Schultz, correct? Yes. Bob Schultz. Bob Schultz. He's got three books, uh, Boyhood and Beyond, I think, or Beyond Boyhood, something like that. Yeah, Beyond Boyhood. Created to Work. And then you've picked up this third one called, what was it now? Uh, it's called Practical Happiness, A Young Man's Guide to a Contented Life. So he's kind of, he's, he's aiming his books at young men. Um, and I have to say, I'm still in, in the first one, the Beyond Boyhood, uh, reading it with my boys. And I just find it that he does a fantastic job. Short chapters, but he'll, he'll, he'll just encapsulate one important point, uh, masterfully illustrate it. You know, ask some application questions. Just, just uh, I, I really uh, yeah. have a lot of praise for that. that yeah, and, and he is he is equally entertaining as he is insightful. Hmm. Um, you know, some mm-hmm. sometimes one is to the exclusion of the other. Someone who's a very insightful <laughs> writer, they're kind of boring to read. But and someone who's entertaining as a writer, there there's not a whole lot of insights. Um, yeah, he's yeah. he's kind of equally both here. And uh, I picked up all three of the books uh, that I found of his, and, and I know you started with the other two. I'm starting with the Practical Happiness one here. Mm-hmm. But he just has some neat concepts here. And like in, in chapter one, uh, the whole point of the chapter is basically just teaching young men, learn to just relax, be a passive observer of the world around you as if you're not part of it. Um, and I, I think it may be a consistent problem with young boys, especially uh, as they get to a certain age, that there's just this, um, impatient, aggressive nature that does not yet know how to be controlled. Yeah. Like they don't know where they're going, but they got to go somewhere. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and, and he tries in the very first chapter of the book to try and teach young men to just, just slow down, be an observer take things in before you respond to things. Just a very practical subject. Um, and, and, you know, he has another chapter about a look in the mirror, um, chapter two, which is neat. Um, the, the concept of a, we, you know, seeing yourself in other people. Um, hmm. Like if you've ever had somebody act in a way that you didn't like and, and it looked, <laughs> it looked kind of pathetic and, and wrong and you have this very slight inkling in that moment. Wait, I do that. <laughs> Just the the sobering nature of of seeing yourself and other people uh, can help you be a little more understanding with people. Um, and and another chapter just titled "Jerks," which was another one. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Um, yes. But the the chapter that I thought was perhaps the best in the book so far uh, is chapter six called Scaffold Wrestling. Um, the, the writer is a, a carpenter and uh, he remodels houses and does uh, framing and interior carpentry and such. So the illustrations he uses oftentimes, at least in this book, seem from job sites. 
and construction practices, hmm. which I think is maybe another topic that boys find inherently interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but um, another thing I think that men struggle with, and that's what he addresses in this chapter, is getting annoyed with inconveniences that come from natural law problems. Um, <laughs> let, let me explain what I mean by that. And, and he uses this illustration here about you're carrying an extension cord through a job site and the head of the cord is dragging behind you. And there's, of course, a job site. There's stuff laying everywhere. It is kind of, it's, it's consistent with natural law that that cord is likely going to get snagged on something. Yeah, and when it does, a corner or whatever. <laughs> yeah, when it does and you pull it, it's, it's in accordance with natural law that God made that the head of that cord is not going to pull through a hole that is smaller than it. <laughs> um, and it's, it's in accordance with natural law that if it does break free while you're pulling on it, throwing a fit, and it flies at you and hits you in the forehead, all of those things <laughs> are completely in accordance with natural law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but lesson being pull on it as hard as you can <laughs> no. and get angry and whip it around and no okay. Well, he makes the point that in that moment if you could change natural law. If you could change natural law to be that at will the head of that electrical cord could just move pass through an object, a solid object just pass through it magically. <laughs> When you remove that natural law, that would be a bad thing for the universe, (laughs) okay? Hmm. (laughs) You'll be falling through floors uh, in places that you go. Um, You know, that would would be problematic. So natural laws are there to create consistency, predictability, and order in, in the world God made. So if you're getting frustrated in that moment over a natural law, you're getting frustrated with something God put in place for the purpose of your order. And for your, for a decent orderly world. And it's not something you can just change at will. So he, he suggests uh, a better way of handling that, uh, learning to be thankful for the natural laws to, to see that, you know, it, it is a problem if you were to remove that natural law. So why are you getting frustrated about it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that's there for your good. And I thought that was, I, I'd never heard anybody come at it from that angle before. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've I've heard uh, preaching and read books about, you know, controlling anger and, uh, you know, temper tantrums that kids have, all these sorts of parent parental things. I've never heard anybody approach it from that angle. And I thought that's a really neat way to see it. Good, good. Um, I was thinking of, uh, while, while you're talking, I'm thinking of the, one of the last chapters we read um, was on... I want to say forgiveness, but, but he, he, he frames it by starting off the whole chapter talking about this guy who collected dirty diapers, you know, and, and diapers. And, and, and it's like he collected them from everybody. And so it got to the point where there was, there was nobody he met that he didn't have a dirty diaper from, you know. And, and, and of course, it's not a true story, but the illustration is uh, of one who retains... Um, essentially, uh, an unforgiving spirit so that he always remembers the stink that came out of other people. And he saves that stink instead of throwing it away. Uh, he saves it. And then when you come around, he wants to show you all the dirty diapers. Well, isn't that so true of people that, that are really kind of captivated in their own, 
bitterness. They, they want to tell you what other people have done, and, and they can rehearse it years later. They can drag out different things by different people, and they want you to smell it, and it stinks to you, and you really start not wanting to be around them at all hmm. because their whole attitude stinks. And, you know, but what, a, what, a, what an illustration of that, that, you know, dirty things come out of people. And that's the way sinners are. But the point of a diaper is to capture that and to throw it away, you know, and mm. and to move on. And but, but this... we save when we save people's diapers, we're like, oh, but that dirty thing that they did, you know, I I won't forget that. <laughs> and yeah, uh, th- this just got a little weird. Um, that <laughs> I mean, that is very insightful, but gave me one of the strangest mental images I've had in a while. Um, <laughs> But I mean, as an illustration, it just was Yeah, but I I guess such an illustration uh, maybe captures the attention of young boys (laughs) in a way that maybe other things wouldn't. I don't know. Um, No, that's good. We'll put a link to his books in the the show notes there. Um, I couldn't find Kindle versions of them. Uh, Really? Okay. Maybe I just didn't look hard enough, but so I bought the paperback. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm. Well, I'm. I just want to touch this real quick before we move on to this. Um, this next question is on that issue of forgiveness. I've also read <clears throat> some articles uh, recently on marriage, and I thought, uh, and, and and some of them were really good. And one of the guys was talking about uh, forgiveness, and essentially he was saying uh, like lies of of the devil, and he referenced. The story in Corinthians where, if, if I, yeah, it's Corinthians, where, you know, the man was in, in gross sin. And at first Paul's like, come on, guys, you need to discipline him out of the church. You don't just overlook it and tolerate it. Um, you just needs to be disciplined. So they do. Well, then he writes back and says, okay, the guy's repented. You need to accept him back, <laughs> you know. Um, and he, he, he highlights the point of uh, not not wanting to forgive repentant people um, by being judgmental of their motivations or they don't they don't admit to everything that you see so you refuse to forgive them mm. and it's kind of drawing off that story and I don't know if that's to me the the full take on that story but anyway the the concept of forgiveness when you're analyzing people's motives and um, things like that but one article and I can't remember if it was that one brought up the concept of forgiveness as costing you something. And for me, maybe it seems like, well, duh, to a lot of the listeners, but it just seemed like not only are you, um, not only are you not holding it against the person anymore and saying, um, okay, you know, I, I won't hold, I, 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 uh, you apologize. I forgive you. But also the, the second half of that is that if you will, I pay the debt. Or I, um, for instance, you think about the servant to the master, and the you know, servant owes his master a great amount. And the master said, and he, you know, so he begs for, for mercy, and the master says, well, I'll forgive you the debt. Well, when, when, he, when, he, apolog- you know, when he confesses you know, his lack of ability to pay the debt, and the master says, I forgive you that debt, the money doesn't just magically appear in the master's coffers again. You know, he doesn't say, well, I've forgiven you, so poof, the money just appears. No, he's eating that debt. So when somebody, when somebody you know, violates against you and, 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 they, and they wrong you in some way, and then they, can, then they repent and they confess, you know, um, we may want to say, well, 
okay, fine, I don't hold it against you anymore as long as things go back to, as long as I didn't lose anything yeah. in the process. Does that make sense? It, it does. Um, um, I'm curious, though. I, I mean, I think maybe rather than than eating the debt, maybe willingness to eat the debt uh, is is the higher priority because, I mean, I don't discount the the fruits of restitution. Um, and in well, my yeah. mind, I'm thinking of Zacchaeus, you know, that Say I'm willing, right. Yeah. The natural result of Zacchaeus, um, being, becoming born again is that he made restitution, um, according, in accordance with the law, I think it was fourfold, uh, what he had taken from people, Yeah, but you can't necessarily demand that in all cases, if you're the right. one that's no. that's forgiving the person, you can't say, okay, now you owe me. No, what I'm saying is the person who's doing the forgiving <clears throat> in some way eats the debt. For instance, you know, Jesus forgives you, um, but he also paid the debt himself. Yeah. You know, so so it's not just, okay, fine, I won't hold it against you uh, as long as it didn't cost me anything. No, it cost him and he doesn't hold it against us. I just thought the two part, does that make sense? Is that somebody says, you know, will you forgive me? And, and I, you know, I say, okay, I forgive you, but I want my stuff back, you know, or right. I, but I want you to restore things as they were. Well, sometimes that can't happen. Sure. Depending you know, on the way it, it Yeah. Right. The way, the way it was is doesn't just immediately return to normal. And so you can't, you got to be careful of building a wall and saying, I don't really want, and, and that's another point he makes in the article. I don't want to. I don't really want to be any closer again. Uh, but I'll say that I forgive you. Yeah. Well, but isn't forgiveness reconciliation? And he makes a good. Yeah. He makes a good distinct distinction between forgiveness and trust, uh, which I think you must make that distinction and say. And, and we've we've referenced that before. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of abuse, you don't say, "Well, I forgive you, so therefore you can have you know access to everything you did before, and you know be put in a position to abuse again." But but nonetheless, to say, I mean, have we have? Well, I'm not gonna. Not that you have to answer this, but I mean, have we been put in a position where we've been hurt by somebody, and so we want to say that we forgive them, but we don't really want to be reconciled. We just rather, you know, them walk away and we never see them again. And we say that we forgave them, but did we forgive them if we're not, as it were, eating that and drawing closer and saying, you know, okay, so you robbed, you know, so so uh, you 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 slandered me, then you apologized. Well, okay, you know, it still hurt, and uh, yeah. I forgive you. And I understand your contrition, but anyway, whatever, however you might yeah. put that into there, to practical there's, life scenarios. There's so much complexity here, and, and there's so many scenarios that I have a lot of questions. Um, as far as the actual outworking of that in yeah, different situations. Yeah, because I mean, if somebody slanders you, okay, and, and they come to they you. They can go make that right. They can go make that right, and you mm -hmm. can forgive them. But it doesn't always change what they, that they actually believe what they said when they slandered you. You know what I mean? I'm not sure you're saying that they actually did believe it when they slandered you. If they slandered you by saying, you know, you're some, you know, low down, you know, scummy, you know, horrible person, you know, if they actually believe that about you, right. Uh, mm -hmm. And they say that to somebody and it causes, you know, a ruined reputation in some way. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, c- can they seek forgiveness, but yet still not like your character? Well, um, I mean, if they if they think maybe. you're a, you know an awful person, if, or if you've done something that they don't like, you know, I mean, can they seek your forgiveness, but still not have a, a very high opinion of you? Yeah, I suppose so. Okay, but see now but, now that's out in the air. Now 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 you know what they think about you, mm-hmm. and they actually believe it, but they regret that they said it. <laughs> okay, uh, and they've sought your forgiveness, but the fact is they really don't agree with your character. So now you've got this knowledge between the two of you that I know mm-hmm. this guy thinks I'm you know you know not that great, and and yet he sought my forgiveness because he regrets what he did. Um, and I've forgiven him. So am I supposed to, to, to be chummy with this guy forever? Um, I think that may be a little bit different context, but I mean, no, I don't know that I'd say chummy, uh, because obviously fellowship is based on, you know, agreement, uh, to a point. Um, but yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I'm splitting hairs a little bit, but I mean, it, going going back to like the the, the Jesus illustration that Jesus, um, you know, paid the debt and forgives. Well, sometimes in a marriage, you know, or, or in a relationship, you know, in a, in a friendship, it may be like, okay, you apologize, but now, you know, you you, you almost want to enact vengeance or, you know, like you say, force reset. Well, I'll accept your apology when. You do this and this and this right, and this. Right, giving ultimatums. Well, yeah, and no, no. If if you're contrite, you know, in your heart, you're truly repentant. I I forgive you. Things may not. You know, you may have taken something that I I won't in essence get back. But that's not the point. The point is that I want to be reconciled. I want to reflect Christ, yeah. and so I do forgive you the debt. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I just thought that was kind of a powerful thought on right. on uh, forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, one more question, and then we can yeah. move on, I guess. You wouldn't say that it's ever wrong to seek um, compensation or restitution uh, fairly, you know, that you can forgive someone and still request, you know, hey, you, you know, you, you smashed my car, uh, you know, in the church parking lot. And, and you know, I forgive you. I realize that was an honest mistake. Um, do you, do you think you could pay for the damages? Is that somehow not forgiveness now? Yeah, I'd have to think through that, but no, I mean, I don't have a problem with that really, but I think the dynamic is different, say in a marriage relationship. Um, sure. You know, I think there's communication there and, and things like that, but no, I, I think you're kind of talking in a social context or a financial context or a business context. Well, um, I'm thinking mainly, uh, of our church governing, governing documents. Um, and, and ours are the same as yours. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it says something about, you know, lawsuits against Christians, which obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we're not for the idea of Christians suing each other, but there is a clause in there that says that it is acceptable for a Christian to petition the other's insurance, essentially to compensate for damages. Mm-hmm. That, that that's a fair, it's a fair thing to seek compensation like that. Um, sure. But sure. I mean, how yeah, does no, that? I mean, does that not jive with with what you're saying? Um, yeah, let me get back to you on that one. Okay. No, I mean, yeah, it it jives. I think I just have to think of how to word it. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> so I don't sit here and go like, oh, we're going to wait for the next couple minutes and try to find an answer. Come back on that one. So yeah. join us on the next uh, episode. <laughs> yeah. Together. And if you have any... Put it on the list. Think yeah. about forgiveness and compensation. <laughs> yep. If you have any thoughts about that, you can send those to Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you uh, launch us into that last question here? Okay. I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah. This one is uh, um, an article um, about Hillary Clinton's podcast. Apparently that's a thing now. Um, oh, really? Oh, boy. Yeah. And uh, she, she made a, a theological statement. <laughs> Which, you know, bears significant weight. <laughs> yes. Um, but the idea of her statement was that young people are leaving Christianity because it is too judgmental. So on her podcast, she was interviewing um, someone by the name of William J. Barber II, who is uh, allegedly a pastor and social justice advocate. Um, and he is the uh, the head of the Greenleaf Christian Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And uh, one of the assertions uh, in the podcast was that um, Black Lives Matter is a, quote, theological statement, and that the church should take a hard look at itself and try to figure out how it can be a real partner in this moment of moral awakening. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's that, an awakening, that, all right. That thought alone made me wonder, how could anyone call what is happening in our country right now a moral awakening? Um, I just, I don't, I, anyway, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent here. Um, a moral nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me look for another another quote here from this. Um, the uh, Barber goes on to say that uh, in Western culture and American culture, we have two great problems that have affected and infected theology in a bad way, and that is the genocide of First Nations people and the enslavement of African Americans that were all rooted in racism and, interestingly enough, the exclusion and oppression of women. Um which I was actually just reading this uh, the other day. I'm still reading through Paul Kurtman's book with my boys. And mm. he referenced, literally just yesterday I read this, he referenced two of the amendments to the U.S. Constitution, which if you're familiar, an amendment is a way that we can actually add increased protections to we the people <laughs> in, in the U.S. Constitution. One of those amendments, uh, and I forget, it might have been the, the 13th, if I remember right, um, was actually an amendment uh, dealing with the, the, the notion of slavery. So the 13th Amendment was added to protect um, black people. Hmm. And if, if I remember right, don't quote me on that, I'll have to go back and look at it. And I think it was the 14th Amendment um, that actually deals with uh, the rights of women to vote mm -hmm. uh, and adds that protection to that. So so we we have clear documentation <laughs> our constitution that demonstrates how the United States has progressed away from those, those concepts of slavery and oppression of women and has actually invited freedoms and liberties and to protect the freedoms and liberties of, of those people. Um, so, so for them to say that we still have this problem is a little bit dishonest. Um, mm -hmm. Not saying that there is no such thing as those issues in, in, in America, but to say that it's part of our system 
is absolutely false because we have actual right. constitutional lot, statements. Dishonest. Yeah. And then as far as the genocide of First Nations uh, people, as he calls them here, uh, also known as Native American people, um, uh, that that's that's patently uh, reconstructionist history. That's that's revisionist history. Um, mm. You know the whole thing about Columbus and all of that being a genocidal maniac. Not even remotely true. Um, people typically repeat hey. that when they haven't checked a history book. Um, okay, but, so uh, you're saying this guy? Is, yeah, I'm trying is... to read his next statement here, uh, which which he refers to being a Christian. Uh, he says, uh, this is Barber speaking again on, on Hillary Clinton's podcast. He says, to be a Christian, to be born again, sprinkle whatever you call it, and to claim the Holy Spirit is to have a quarrel with the world's system of injustice. And if whatever you claim you have doesn't produce a quarrel with injustice, then your claim of it being the Spirit with the big S is suspect. Well, I don't disagree with this statement, but number one, he has to clarify justice to what? Uh, Mm -hmm. Justice to the law. Well, number one, read the law correctly. And number two, uh, justice to the law of God. Well, obviously the world is counter to the law of God. um, And, you know, if he understood that, he might understand the podcast host a little bit more. But... um, Anyway, so yeah, well, it's like, a, it's a, it's kind of an unfair statement for them to make there, because what it is asserting is that if you don't see injustice the same way we see it, you're not a real yeah, Christian. Right. <laughs> you, you don't have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you're none of His. If you don't see injustice the way we see it, that's essentially what he's saying there. I mean, first of all, you have to I prove mean, think of, these systems of injustice that you're claiming, which we've already kind of yeah. touched on, is is hard to do. Um, and, and, and then you have to be able to demonstrate that Christians are, are simultaneously not against these types of injustices, which I don't, I don't know of any truly professing Christian who's like, slavery is a good thing. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know any true Christian who, who says, you know, oppressing women and, and is, is a good thing. I, I don't get it. You can't, you can't make such statements. Um, I, I would say that there are a few... Uh, extremists out there who have a poor view of women or an extreme view of the subjugation of women. Sure. Likewise, I would say there's a few, you know, in, in, in a, uh, you know, in a hollowed out log somewhere that are still fighting the civil war or whatever, you know, yeah. that, uh, and they're still, you know, uh, racist in a sense. I mean, obviously there's still some vestige of a KKK, right? But yeah. as far as that being, America or Christianity, either one, no. Yeah. A couple more quotes here from Clinton now. She says, a lot of young people are leaving the church in part because the way they understand what Christianity has become is, you know, so judgmental, so alienating that they think to themselves, well, I don't need that. I don't want to be a part of that. So this should also be a time for the church to take a hard look at itself and try to figure out how it can be a real partner in this moment of moral awakening. Okay, and here's, can I say something here? Yeah. This is so ridiculous when we talk about moral awakening and we Mm -hmm. stand for partial birth abortion. I mean, just cut it out. I mean, you know, when we say, well, injustice and killing of first world things, well, hello, you know, and we're advocating, you know, abortion uh, all the way through. I mean, even if you even if you don't say partial birth or up to the moment of which they do, but I mean, 
you know, even if you're drawing it back to killing any uh, a human at any form of, of, of development and yet saying, you know, Christianity has become too judgmental and we need to believe in justice and we need to believe in equality. And yet, and yet you're uh, pro murder. Don't, I, I can't yeah. even, it's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's rather disingenuous to, to even suggest such a thing. Uh, Cause again, it goes back to the notion that injustice is basically anytime you disagree with me. Um, that that's kind of the, the tone that's coming through and what's being said here that, you know, if, if you disagree with my premises, you're judgmental. Um, you're, you're, you're being too critical of me and you should take a hard look at yourself. Um, their attempt to take the moral high ground is, is frankly kind of disgusting, but, uh, and and absurd. It just, it, it it makes them look kind of dumb, but yeah. I mean, because well, there has to be a read on when you say, uh, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. Well, you have to have some sense of right and wrong. Well, where do they get that? You know, how, and it goes back to that concept of interpreting the scripture. You know, well, what, yeah. what kind of read does, do, are, do those two people on that podcast have on scripture? And if it can be, uh, if it can be jerked one way or the other like that, uh, we, we need to go back to proper interpretation and it means yeah. one thing. Yeah. And, well, and the simple fact is, you know, every people group of every nation in, in all of world history have done unjust things. Okay. Sure. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the Native American people that were here before Europeans came, tribal warfare was a big thing. Um, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they killed each other mercilessly. Um, you know, taking child brides from each other's tribes, um, raping and murder was uh, prevalent. Um, so, I mean, why not talk about those injustices too? And and, and not that I necessarily am like, you know, let's get into an injustice debate. Uh, you know, let's, let's see who has the bigger injustices. That's not what it's about. The fact is that they're ignoring the injustices of some and uh, right. shouting the injustices of others um, for their own personal gains. And you're uh, saying I think not is admitting dishonest. a change in that injustice. And say that again? You're saying, you... and, and, and coupled with that, is they're not acknowledging a change or an evolution towards the betterment of those injustices. Yeah, yeah, they're not acknowledging that really we're the, uh, the only nation in the world, the first nation and only nation, I believe, in the world to provide the degrees of, uh, of respect to personal liberties uh, to mm. which we have, uh, not just to, to white Americans, but to black Americans and everything in between and, and women and so forth. You can't just mm. ignore that. No. So, anyway. Got a little political so can I go, there, I guess. Yeah, well, that's fine. Uh, to, but to go back, so she she said that Clinton said that black lives... Did she or was it the pastor, quote-unquote, that said black lives matter is a theological statement? Um, I think uh, I think both of them asserted it at some point, but I think Barber said it okay. first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> theological yeah, I, statement. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see the connection. Well, it tells me something about their God. So I guess it is a theological statement, you know, when you feel that you have the, the right to uh, destroy other people's property because you're not getting what you want, then, uh, then yeah, it tells me something about your theology, but it's not maybe. The, yeah, and I mean, and we're trying to be fair here. We're trying to be fair. And I know maybe we're beating a dead horse here, but I mean, it can, you know, to say that Black Lives Matter is a theological statement, it's actually limiting your statement. Uh, all lives matter is actually more of a theological statement than black lives matter is. Hmm. You know what I mean? 
<clears throat> because, you know, to, to limit it to one group, you're being a respecter of persons, which is an unbiblical thing. Hmm. But to say all lives matter, that's much closer to the concept of the sanctity of all life uh, that the Bible right, is very right. theological about. Um, yeah. Anyway, but that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, if you've got any feedback on uh, the theological, the theology of Black Lives Matter, <laughs> and uh, and and how Christianity needs to uh, to open their eyes and have an awakening, and to realize how they can partner in this moment of moral awakening. Yeah. Uh, well, just leave it for us at together <laughs> podcast at Gmail. Dot yes. Com. Yes, and and patreon.com slash reason together is a theological statement too, I guess, right? No. Uh no, it's not. <laughs> but you can have a moral that awakening. I, I said reason together <laughs> podcast at Gmail. No, that's not what I said. I said patreon.com slash reason together oh. is a theological statement. <laughs> no. Then I asserted yeah, no, that no, I was no, joking. Really. But uh but you can <laughs> If you want to have a moral awakening, you can go over there to patreon.com slash reason together and uh, <laughs> become a patron of this this show. Anyway, that, that anything else? Are we, we good? We're good. We're encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.